Welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. Our guest this week is Tim Gleason, the artistic director of the No Theater in Binghamton, New York. The No Theater is a 76-seat community theater that has been producing quality shows for over 20 years. Tim Gleason also annually participates in the New England Region Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival as a mentor and a judge. He has studied at Binghamton University and Broome Community College and has been seen on the stages of many theaters throughout the Northeast. Tim and I took a day and sat on the stage of the No Theater, by the way, that's K-N-O-W, sat on the stage amidst the set construction debris and had a great talk. We started off by acknowledging that between the day-to-day maintenance and the endless search for funding, running any theater these days is way more than a labor no of love. No theater has been in existence since 1993. Uh, so it's been around a couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah, a few. 21 now. Amazing. Okay. When I look back. Here's my question. And the, and the only sure. reason I ask this question is because sure. there are so many profitable things i mean really profitable things to be doing out there mm-hmm. um sure. and as we know theater is a funding struggle day by day by day um, hour sometimes, by hour sometimes yeah. sometimes minute by minute yes <laughs> yes um and i know from attending shows here that they are all of excellent quality i saw a bench here i saw k2 thank you um yes. I, I saw the short play festival you just put on featuring Asia Stratford's play. Right. Yes. And um, you're still open. Yeah. My question is, how do you stay open? And good Lord, why did you want to start a theater? Um, <laughs> good question. How we're open is uh, nobody makes any money. So all money, all the monies we make go to keeping the place alive. So the actors don't get paid? Uh, minimal. Yeah. They're pretty much the only ones that do. Our tech crew work for songs. Uh, I, I'm the artistic director, which means I get to clean the bathrooms, but, uh, I, I have a small, minute monthly stipend that I couldn't survive on. Every artistic uh, director with an earshot is now cheering you for cleaning the bathrooms. Yes, yes. Well, they, they know it well if they're, if they've started it themselves. It's one of the jobs you, you end up with. Um, yeah, uh, well, to be perfectly honest, it started uh, 21 years ago uh, strictly for vanity's sake. I wanted to do a production of uh, Night of the Iguana. I couldn't get anybody to bite to produce it. Uh, I was attending uh, BCC at the time, non-traditional student, and I went to uh, Angelo Zuccolo, who ran the theater department, and said, what do you think of doing uh, Night of the Iguana? I had the cast all picked out in my mind with my fellow students and friends, and he said, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then uh, it finally settled in that maybe I could try. So we did it in the church, which is uh, a block that way that you can see when you leave this building. Why didn't he want to do it? I don't know. I, 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 I never really got a good answer out of him. I think it's a brilliant play. It's my favorite Williams play. Right. Uh, And I... Once I get into it, and when I look back, I was not prepared to take on such a play. But uh, fools rush in where I just there to tread. Uh, I went to all these said actors that I had wanted in the cast, and uh, they all said yes. And then I let it die. 
And then uh, one of the women in the cast that I knew, probably the least of all the people, I ran into her at a party, and the way she came up to me and the look that was in her eye from whatever spark I had put in hers by talking about this production, I said, well, we have to go forward. So we found this church, uh, which was the Centenary United Methodist Church then, uh, I knocked on the door, and within a few hours, they gave me the key, which was a miracle in itself. They never, wow. never met me. Yeah, I said, here's the key. Just make sure it's locked. They have a beautiful little loft theater up on the upper level behind mm -hmm. the organ pipes. And away we went uh, to town on a ridiculously hard play, of which I was directing, playing Shannon, and producing. So... <laughs> So, um, yeah, you were you were all over this play from every particular angle. Yes, and none of them very well. Uh, well, yeah. what what did you learn? I mean, directing this particular play because right. Williams is not easy. Everybody oh knows God. there are yes. there are meanings within meanings, and there are layer subtext layer. within subtext. And Amen. Amen. you know, for um, had you directed anything before this? No, no. Wow. No. Uh, and that's where the, a lot of the trouble came in. Uh, but we had a, a, I had a love for, for the, the part, for the, for the play. And we approached it with reverence. Uh, I will say that. Uh, looking back, I, you know, we were, uh, in over our heads. But then we owned no properties. We had no, Props, uh, so we had to go scrounge and find and crates and cut up crates to make our veranda. You bring this from your house, I'll bring this from mine. Uh, I Sounds did, like every community production I've ever been involved yes, with. Yes, yes. And uh, I had a friend, uh, my mentor, my acting mentor, her name is Shirley Catherine. She would sit in and watch the rehearsals and try and at least guide me through some of the processes. Uh, but we got it up, we got it open, uh, and we made money. Uh, well, That's a good thing. Yeah, you say Williams, and uh, you mm -hmm. know people come out. Sure. So it wasn't it wasn't horrible. It was nowhere, you know. If, if I could go back in time and try and do uh, character justice, I would like to revisit T. Lawrence Shannon. Uh, although I'm aging out of him now, uh, but uh, there were moments each night. But I can't say the show each night was brilliant, but. We survived it. I was ready to hang up my spurs, and the rest of the cast said, uh, no, we have to keep going. So you, you've only got this together just to do this one play? Yeah. You love the play that much? Yes. Yeah. Or my vanity did. Uh, Same thing. This yeah. is theater, you know. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. I forget who I'm talking to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, That was my drive to get that play up and done, and then... Uh, the others in the, the company, who are the original eight, as we like to call them, um, said, let's keep going. So we followed that with uh, some 1X, and then the rest is history. We're still here. How many productions have you had so far? Uh, I'd say we're pushing up almost, well, if you do the average, almost three a year since then, sometimes more, sometimes less. So we're up in the 60, 60 to 100 range. Excellent. Yeah. Not counting the one, uh, the playwrights, you know, so that jacks us up. Right. That number right. flexes. So up. you do short one X or one X from uh, playwrights. How, how do you find those? Uh, we have a playwrights festival, which this uh, you saw year eleven. 
uh, we'll be doing year 12 in November. We, uh, well, we started the pl- our Playwrights Festival, which you attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original format for that was to honor Leonard Melfi, uh, Harry Katukas, who are two well-known playwrights. If you know, you go deep into the bowels of the experimental playwriting explosion back in the '60s. Two of those gentlemen who were there right with Albie at the beginning, yeah, uh, were one was from Binghamton, Leonard Melfi, and the other was from Endicott, named a guy named Harry Katukas. A couple of local boys. And uh, very offbeat playwrights, uh, both offbeat in their own right as human beings as well. But uh, that's why I love them. And somebody came to me and said, uh, not enough people know they exist. So we started the original Playwrights Festival that we started 12 years ago was to honor those gentlemen. And somebody came to me and said, why don't we try and involve our strong, growing arts community? Uh, visual artists. So what is the community here like for theater? Uh, it's, it's well, part of the reason that I keep doing this is because what we do is necessary in my mind. Uh, the, but, but don't you think all theater is necessary? Oh, very much so. Uh, but I have a particular love and a uh, special place in my heart for this particular burg. And mm. in, in anywhere I would do it, would it is special. That Did you grow up here? No. No, Where are you from? A transplant, Scranton. Okay. Uh, over the mountain, uh, as they say, up this end of the woods. Uh, but it, this burg, uh, this little burg of Binghamton, I, I really, I feel, uh, needs what we do here. So that's what keeps me going when it gets a little hard sometimes. Uh, but it, as you said, it is necessary anywhere. I, I think of it as performing a noble service, but then again... Amen. I truly do as well. You know, uh, it's the biggest blessing that's ever dropped into my life. Yeah. Because I've done the real world stuff, and I would never trade it. I would never trade it. If I could do this full time, I wouldn't trade it either. Amen. Well, this is, Yeah, people... I don't realize that people looking at me here uh, sometimes see my blessing more strongly than I do that I get to do something I love every day. Uh, and all I need is a roof and some food. What more does a guy need, you know? And exactly. I, and I have those. So. Yeah. And you're, you're doing theater. So the playwrights you were talking about, tell us yeah. about their work. Uh, Leonard Melfi and Harry Katukas, uh, as I said, very early in the uh, experimental theater explosion in the 60s. Both of these guys uh, writing very avant-garde, offbeat works. Uh, Leonard had a piece in Old Calcutta, which ran for 22 years on Broadway, that was very uh, dark and morbid and yet uh, well-received, called Jack and Jill, where uh, the the, uh, characters were dressed up like Raggedy Ann and Andy. Uh, There was some penal measurement that would happen, and then there was uh, rape and murder. (laughs) Hmm. That's just to give you a little window into Leonard. Also wrote one of the most produced uh, plays on college campuses, a play called Birdbath. Amazing play. Uh, brilliant two-character piece. Uh, been produced all over the country. Uh, he's been published. He's got two or three collections that you can get through French or Dramatist. I'm not sure which. Did a lot of his work when I was at uh, BCC. Mm-hmm. He would write brand new stuff, and we'd put it up, and he'd come up on the bus and hang out with us. Really cool guy. A little offbeat, but very cool. Well. Yeah, but he's a playwright. So. Exactly. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
And Katukas, I did not meet until we started this Playwrights Festival. Uh, there's a professor at uh, BCC named uh, Jan Quackenbush. He, he teaches playwriting out there. I know, Jan. Yeah. We're talking about Broome Community College, right? Yes, yes. I, I'm saying it as if everybody knows that. Thank you. Uh, yes, <coughs> so Jan... Uh, was the one who came to me about honoring these two gentlemen. And I was like, makes perfect sense. I had met Leonard uh, at the campus, but I had never met Harry. So uh, <laughs> Jan gave me his phone number, and I called him in New York. Lived on Christopher. He just passed recently. Uh, and uh, I called him up, and I said, Mr. Katukas, I'm in uh, being up to New York, and we're thinking about doing a Playwrights Festival to honor you and Leonard Malfi. And I was wondering if uh, how you feel about that. And he said, uh, I've got two plays with uh, Samuel French. Uh, he pretty much hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice. Of yeah. <laughs> so uh, I went on to French and I ordered the plays. And uh, there were two one-acts, two lengthy one-acts. Uh, we're talking to a playwright who didn't jump at a chance to have somebody produce his work. Kind of. He was kind of standoffish. And said, uh, "I have two produce. I have two in print. Go look." What? So I sent for the plays. Yeah, well, it it switches, which is the lovely part of it. So we sent for the plays. Uh, I got a buddy of mine from Manhattan to come up and uh, direct. And it uh, it was a play called uh, "Awful People Are Coming Over," so we must be pretending to be hard at work, and maybe they'll go away. I love that title. Isn't it great? I love that title. Isn't it yes. great? And uh, he supposedly uh, got that title from uh, Yoko Ono. They were sitting at a party together. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with the play at all, um, which is the, another beautiful part of it. And they were sitting at a party, and she saw someone she didn't like, so that's what she said to him, and he immediately wrote it down and said, this is going to have to show up somewhere. We get the play, and it's bizarre and crazy, and it's set in Endicott, New York, on Jefferson Avenue, where the trees are all dying from Dutch Elm disease. Oh. Main character's name is Clickety Clack, and uh, he's trying to save his tree in his backyard. The tree is dying, and we find out that Clickety Clack is dying as well. And as we start tearing this play apart, the amazing points, drama, philosophy, we were just blown away. This director, a friend of mine, Jim Nicola, and myself were just like, does he know how many things he's captured in this play? And there's all these references to reds and crimsons that work their way through. So lo and behold, Harry Katukas comes up. Uh, the very first year we had a symposium, and I don't know how we did this without ruining rehearsals, but we had a symposium the Thursday before we opened. That's always fun. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we stopped everything. I don't know what I was thinking. And <laughs> at that point, we were at the uh, the church at the corner of uh, Front and Main, 30 Main Street was our home at that point. We were in the body of the church, and uh, we're, people are filling in for the symposium. And we had, well, Leonard, God rest his soul, was dead. He wasn't there. Jan, we produced a Jan play. And we're waiting on Harry, and this guy turns the corner of the far end of the hall in a floor-length beaver jacket, green hair, and he's walking with a cane. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> This must be him. This I don't know what I've gotten myself into. But once we get into the church and someone talked, asked him a question, he's just he's one of us. He uh, yeah. theater is life, uh, must be honored and revered. And uh, then I knew 
we were in the presence of somebody wonderful. He saw his play. He came back every year. He, nice. would, he would make a point to be nice. here. He started sending me plays. He had suitcases and suitcases of plays, it turns out. So once he got over the, the hump of yeah. saying that I wasn't some kind of a jerko, he would just send me a play. I would call up and he would say, how many character? And he would send me his originals and just say, all I ask is if you make me a clean copy. There'd be notes on the margin. So Back in the day when not everything was lodged onto a disc somewhere. Exactly. And I'm yeah. praying that somebody in this family has these plays because he died, and I don't know. I'm still haven't been able to find out what happened to these plays. Oh my God! They've got they've got to be some. They were lost. It's, I mean, it's, it's a treasure trove. Oh, brilliant writing! Yeah. Brilliant, crazy premises, but the words and the yeah, my God! And yeah. we did five years. We did five years of Katukas and Melfi plays, and what we would do is give the Melfi and Katukas plays to artists mm -hmm. and say, can you please read this and give us a work of art? And they would paint something after having read the play. And, yeah. and now we do it the other way. We start with the artwork and the writers uh, look at the paintings and write from there. Right, that's that's what you did the last time. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. We switched to that. That's, that's a beautiful little conceit. S six years ago, yeah. yeah. And the numbers go up. We had, yeah. uh, I think we had almost mm. 40 submissions mm. this year. I want, to, I want to talk about the theater itself. Sure. You started off in the church around the corner. Yes. How did you find, because for those of you who can't see through the radio, we are actually sitting on the stage of the No Theater. That's K-N-O-W, by the way. And it is a refurbished firehouse. Now, this, yes. to me, this has meaning because when I first moved to Ithaca and got into theater, I was involved with the Firehouse Theater, which also did community-based plays, okay? Right. Um, yeah. Below the tier of, of the regionals, below the tier of, of the local, nationally known plays. These, these, are, these are the theaters where the community literally gets involved in all aspects of. And to me, it is one of, one of the most pure forms of art you can find. I agree. And I agree. it is art for the people, by the people, yeah. And right now, as I said, we're sitting in the middle of the place is a mess. There are flats being <laughs> constructed. Uh, we, we had to move a sawzall off the table so we could <laughs> sit here. Um, yeah. it's, uh, to me, this is absolute heaven yes. putting the show together. Amen. We're going to talk about that show. They're putting on Pillow Man. We're going to get to that in a second. But how many seats do you have here? Uh, 76. 76. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh -huh. Old IBM auditorium seats from back in the day. Wow. Yeah, somebody got their hands on them, and uh, we third-partied them. Uh, so they're comfy and cushy, and we wouldn't trade them. Yeah, we yeah. were lucky to get some really nice seats. That's highly yeah, critical we, for people to we, be sitting in for two hours. We yes. started with yeah. folding chairs, so that was uh, this was a jump up. That takes dedication. Yeah, we were in Absolutely. folding chairs. Yeah. <laughs> One of the walls off to my left, you can actually see some of the sunlight trickling through the batting. It's um, it's it's theater as it absolutely positively should be. So how do you keep this place running month by month? Uh, well, some gracious donors, obviously. Uh, how much of your time is spent fundraising? Not enough. 
We have uh, our program. We get uh, we we raise funds through the program ads. We have season sponsors too this year that split the cost of the season sponsorship, which is very generous. Uh, and then ticket sales. We yeah. fly close to the. Uh, Submersion level, but we stay black, believe it or not. We stay black. That's some, incredible. some miracle, yeah. 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 Do you rent this place or do you own it? Yes, no, we rent it, uh, lease it. We do three-year blocks of time. We just started one. So you've uh, been in this particular spot for how long now? This is our ninth season in here. What was the first show you, you put uh, up here? The Guys. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, fitting. Yes. Firehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. then we did uh, The Guys again on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Sure. Which is uh, an amazing play. Takes a little bite out of you when you do it, but uh, it's wrenching. It's absolutely wrenching. Yeah. I remember reading that for the first time and thinking, my my first thought was, okay, I'm being expositioned to death here. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back and read it again because somebody shoved it into my face and said, no, read this. Yeah. Um, somebody whose opinion I, I respected greatly. Um, it moved me. It was. It was. Unbelievably powerful. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, somebody approached me, uh, Larry Casson, good friend from Binghamton High School. Uh, they were planning a fundraiser for our 9/11 memorial here mm-hmm. in Binghamton, and they were going to do the guys to raise money. So uh, we did it at the high school as a fundraiser for the 9/11 uh, memorial. And then I said, Larry, it makes perfect sense because the stars were aligning that we were getting the keys handed over for here. Yeah. So that we just uh, did it there and then opened this place with it here. Uh, and uh, the memorial's there, so I guess we helped out in some way. My name is on that plaque over there, which is very proud uh, sure. thing for me. And I was living in Manhattan at the time, so it's got a little yeah. special place. You mentioned... Um Back in the real world before, before you yes. came back to doing yeah. um So what what were you in real life? An engineer. Yeah, electrical. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. So that's why the, we don't have to worry about the electric in yes. this place. Yes, well, you would Excellent. think. Yeah. To the, for yeah. the most part. It's it's in here, but it's way buried. Uh, but, yeah, I, I started into this, and then I just sort of cross-faded till I, I foolishly one day said, if I leave, ever leave this firm, I'm never going back, and... The universe made that happen, and here we are. <laughs> Good for Got to watch what you say. Uh, Got to watch yeah, what you say. And one of these days I'll learn that. I yeah. probably won't, but you never yeah, know. I hear you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was listening. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've, I've been on the other side and had the cars and the vacations and the houses, uh, but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't trade any of it. Got the biggest living room in Broome County. When you did know? you know you, fo- you, were, you were falling in love with theater? Uh, I'll tell you, it's it's a weird thing because it was nothing that was ever on my front burner. I used to, back in the day, do impressions and stand up uh, on a small circuit down in Pennsylvania. Hooked mm-hmm. up a little duo, and whenever they got a gig, I would go. When they'd sit down, I'd go up, kind of a gig, ripping around in Lackawanna County for the most part. Uh, class clown, office... Uh, Jocularity yeah. department. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I'm, I'm talking to the right person, yeah. When I got yeah. uh, divorced uh, way back when, I moved up this way because I worked more up here than down there. IBM uh, subcontracting, so it was a logical move yeah. to come this way. And uh, all of my coworkers would said, "Why don't you, uh, you know, go to these open mics? You'd make a killing." And I found out that I had some kind of a fear. 
uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go. So I took an acting class <laughs> to try and get over that fear to think maybe I could get back up and do yeah. my shtick. And that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> that was it. As soon as I uh, learned my first monologue, I just then I went backwards into school, uh, taking night classes, any theater class I could get in, studied privately. And yeah, it just it just had me. I think it was always in here, and I never knew it uh, that it was a way to express myself. Theater theater emerges late for for some of us. It, it, yeah, I was thirty three before I walked on stage. So yeah. how many roles have how many roles have you have you performed here? Oh my God, quite a few. Yeah. I've been blessed. Yeah, I I've been all over. Any favorites? My favorite play in the world is uh, The Rainmaker which we just produced in our 10th anniversary season, but I certainly wasn't the... I directed this time. The first time around, I played uh, Starbuck. Uh, I love Starbuck in, oh. in The Rainmaker. Uh, I just think, well, probably because he's such a dreamer. And uh, us theater folks are of the same yes. ilk. Uh, I've played uh, Jesus and the Devil. Uh, there's a show called The Cotton Patch Gospel. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm not familiar with that one. No. Uh, it's the story of Jesus' life as if he was born in rural Georgia. Okay. So the whole thing is uh, somebody wrote a book called The Cotton Patch Gospel so that indigent and, and poor people could understand the Bible. So they translated it into a very rural mm -hmm. language. Yeah. And then uh, Harry Chapin... Uh, Tom Key turned it into a stage show, and then Harry Chapin came to see it and said, I, we could make this into a musical. And Harry Chapin wrote all the words and the music. Nice. And uh, it's brilliant. It's a four-piece uh, bluegrass band, and one actor plays everyone. Amazingly challenging. But uh, Wow. Yeah, so you play everybody, all the apostles, Jesus, Mary, That's not the devil. That's not something get on stage <laughs> Oh my uh, somebody came to me with that and said, I want you to try and do this. And I said, I, I can't do this. And they looked me in the face and said, you can do this. And uh, I'm so glad that they said that because I would, if I could pick one show and go back and just do that, I would, I would pick that one. Because, you know, yeah. how many more characters do you need? Ab yeah, true. You, you get to true. sing and, uh, you know, it certainly woke up my spirituality a little bit. You, you were talking about Tennessee Williams earlier. Yes. And... Yeah. But there are devotees mm. of Tennessee Williams that, yeah. you know, my advisor at Goddard was a devotee. Um, there are, there are people that you can just say Tennessee Williams to and you can see their souls brighten up yeah. and they can wax yeah. I, I endlessly one. about, um, how did you, <coughs> how did you find this? Uh, and, and I, good question. I think it found me again. Uh, if you go back to the, the uh, iguana. Uh, there were just notes and people and character and language in that that grabbed me immediately. And that's, I didn't know my arse from a phonogram as a, uh, a theater person at that point. But there was just something in that play that I understood. Yeah. Uh, even if I didn't understand how to produce it. Right. Uh, and I can say that with all honesty looking back. There was just something in those, in the, in the desperation, uh, and the sadness, uh, and the small joys of, the, of those characters that I understood. And I still find that today uh, in almost every one of his plays. I think his use of language is unequaled. I, I like to call him the American Shakespeare. He takes 25 words to say something you could say in three. Uh, but he says it beautifully. That's 
the thing, and I don't yeah. th think anybody else does it like him. I we haven't produced that many for the very yeah. reasons we were talking about earlier because they're so difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, we did uh, iguana, and then we jumped. I don't know how many years, sixteen years, uh, and did uh, menagerie. Right, and then just last season we did Vucare, which never gets yes, produced. Right, it doesn't. And we got picked up to go to the Tennessee Williams uh, Provincetown Theater Festival. With Excellent. Alan. Yeah, yeah. Great work. Which was Congratulations. amazing. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that's an international festival, and uh, they took a little old No Theater from Binghamton. Yeah, nice. So how'd you come up with the name No Theater? <laughs> uh, also part of that foolish experiment that happened in that church. Uh, we were probably three weeks into rehearsal, and we realized that we were going to have to start advertising in some way if we expected anybody to show up. And I remember standing in front of everybody, and I said, what are we going to call ourselves? We have no theater productions, meaning N-O. Right. Uh, so I went home with that thought somewhere back in my head, and I just kept saying it over and over, and then I got a piece of paper, and I just wrote no theater productions on it, and I brought it back the next day to rehearsal, and I said, how about this? And everybody was like, that's cool. Now, little did we realize all of the verbal shenanigans we would get into with no, no, Ooh. no, no, oh, no, Japanese no, no, like <laughs> no, K-N-O-W, oh, Who's on first? Yeah, really. And that's been going on through the years. Well, uh, don't feel too bad. You know there is another theater, at least one more that I know of. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yes. which hosts the Cincinnati Fringe, um, of which I am uh, a lover of. We've been out yeah. there a couple of times. Well, um, I've accidentally gone to their website, and then it came to where we wrote them, and we're sort of like, you know, in contact yeah. with each other because we have the same name. Uh, but through time, we've sort of grown into the name because if you look up the definition of no, it means to uh, experience and to understand. Mm -hmm. And if, if I want anybody to do anything, that's what I want people to do with theater, yeah. uh, to experience and understand it. So it's kind of, it was a backwards accident. It's nice when that happens. Some things happen just for a reason. Yeah, somebody you, you up there. You come at them from different, different ways. Next show up on, on, on the roster is The Pillow the Man. The Pillow Man. Um, Martin McDonough. Mm -hmm. And describe this play for people who aren't familiar with it because uh, it's a deep, dark yeah. Yeah. experiment in... Yeah, go, go for okay. it. Okay. Um, well, The Pillow Man, Martin McDonough. Um, you have to think about Kafka. You have to think about Grimm's fairy tales. Uh this, We're not talking musical for the kiddies. No, yeah. no, no. Although there are a couple of children in the play uh, with some very loving and understanding parents. Uh, uh, it, it is a play about uh, a young writer. That's a very generalized uh, statement. Uh, the, the main character writes children's stories that are usually very macabre and, and dark where terrible things happen to children. And the play opens in a totalitarian police station where he's being questioned because some of these grisly things in his stories have started to come true. Uh, so the police bring him in to try and get some explanation as to how that might be true. Uh, and then the story 
unravels from there. There are uh, four main characters, two brothers. Uh, The main character, the writer, and his brother who is mentally challenged. And then two police uh, detectives. And as the play unfolds, you find out that each of these characters has some deep, dark secret that they are all harboring on their own. Uh, And the tale weaves in and out of many, many subjects. Uh, Freedom of speech gets touched on. Uh, The artist and what lengths he would go to to protect his art. The love of brothers uh, and to what lengths uh, brothers will go to protect that love that they have for each other. Uh, We get to peek inside of a totalitarian state where the gentlemen in the room get to make the final call on what will happen to these young men. They don't have to go to a judge or a jury. And what what power that brings into play. Uh, Human rights optional. Yes, exactly. Uh, And and the the thing about McDonough, and I don't know how he does it, uh, and I'd be interested to hear him explain it, uh, which I have, but it just seems like it's, I don't know how he, he can make you laugh, and he's done it in every one of his plays that I've seen or mm-hmm. read. He makes you laugh at very dark and disturbing things. Uh, we were talking about In Bruges before, yeah. and I had seen one of McDonough's plays earlier, but I figured I'd you know, check out sure. the movie because big fan of uh, Colin Farrell. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, it, it's there was some very dark, disturbing parts in there, and I found myself laughing. Yeah. And I thought, what's wrong with me? We did uh, Lonesome West here, which is uh, two brothers who have returned from the funeral of their father, which one brother shot because he made fun of his hair. And then the play goes on from there. So it, I don't know how he does it, but you will. Find, I guarantee if people come here, they will find themselves laughing, and then they'll have that hand up, yeah. head, head turn to make sure they're not the only ones laughing. He walks that fine line between the really dark. He says we're, you know, if you, if you, if you read up on McDonough, he says we're all uh, broken in some way. And he likes to walk that fine line. Yeah. Uh, where, it's a hard line to walk. Where, yeah, but, he, you know, Obie's, uh, Tony's, Olivier's, he's doing mm-hmm. it, man. He, his works get recognized for the... And the thing that grabbed me, as I said, we were talking a little bit about K2. I forgot. Yeah. I got so caught up in the story, I forgot we needed the mountain, literally. <laughs> uh, and when I saw this in New York, I got back to to Binghamton and ordered the rights immediately. Because of what I heard, the words, the language yeah. is amazing and beautiful. And that's what captures me sometimes, the use of the English language. Now, people are going to think that, you know, this is a little strange and offbeat, and it is, but it's still a beautiful piece of literature at the same time. So, so let me ask you this. You work sure. with community-based actors. Yes. How many of them are professionally trained? Uh, maybe a third. So when you pull a piece like a heavy-duty right. piece like this, okay? Yes. And you've got community actors. Yes. What is it like... That's me. Oh, that's you. Okay. What's it like working with them as opposed to I mean, actors who know what they're getting into? Right. Well, on this one, we're very lucky in the sense that uh, my director uh, is a, a local guy uh, with a Yale drama degree. 
Yeah. He's directing. Uh, the head detective is uh, was a student of Sandy Meisner's. Uh, okay. My other detective uh, has a degree from uh, SUNY B. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my young actors, one graduated from Ithaca, did some time in Russia with movement and physical stuff. And the other young man is probably one of the finest young actors in this area. So on this, I've got like an all-star cast. Right. And I try and choose my battles. Uh, you know, on that drive uh-huh. home, uh, I try not to paint myself in any corner. So I pretty much knew the cast of this. Right. Uh, and then went to this director and said, would you take the reins of these four... Uh, Ben Hur White Stallions. Uh, <laughs> I handed him over something that would not paint him in the new corners either. But I try and really be cognizant of that. And sure. I, I also teach, so I'm uh, constantly working with some of these people so I mm-hmm. can see their progress and when I can load the yoke onto them and when I can. Yeah. Uh, so, Where are you teaching? Uh, right here, right in this room. Okay. Yeah, privately. So that's my gig that uh, helps keep the... Refrigerator light on. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, well. Good on you for for going after the uh, the big ones. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in this season, you know, we we haven't uh, we've certainly challenged ourselves this season. Next comes Time Stands Still by Margulies, which is a bear mm. as well. And then we're wrapping up with Moon for the Misbegotten by uh, yes that Eugene. other American playwright. Absolutely yeah. yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and that's not easy rowing either. So no, it's not. Uh, but. It, it makes my actors come back. These people come here and work. We pay something, but it's not a lot. But they know we're going to really tear the cover off right. and really go after it. Uh, and that sets us apart, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We're blessed. One last topic, and I will, sure. I will let you get back to uh, your real life. Yes. I saw a video of you on, on YouTube from uh, an interview from a local news uh, agency. Yeah. And you were talking about ghosts yes and you were talking about ghost lights and for those of you Ah. not in 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 the in the know (laughs) a ghost light is a single usually a single bare bulb left on stage when all the other lights are turned out um i'm told for insurance reasons yes and then when nobody else is actually listening i am told it's for a very different reason now i previously mentioned working in the firehouse theater in, in ithaca and we were involved with putting a show together, and there were times, because I was director, that I had to be there on my own to do the work, because um, nobody else could do it. I hear you. And I've never seen a ghost, but I don't disbelieve, and I know that being in a big place all by oneself can play tricks with the mind, Certainly. especially after someone has already told me that this place is particularly... Oh, occasioned by an old carpenter who still likes to build things sometimes or can be heard building things sometimes. Anything like that going on here? Uh, No. Okay. Sadly. Uh, Well, as you said, one thinks uh, that one sees things sometimes. But it's more of a uh, wishful thinking, I think. And our our uh, our ghost light is is that light on the piano. Mm. That's the one we leave on uh, for our actors, uh, our ghostly actors. And I'd like to think that the I've mentioned uh, most of the ghosts in our I've mentioned most of the ghosts in our discussion. Uh, Leonard Melfi. Yeah. I would like to think Leonard is here, 
and uh, Harry. And uh, we recently lost our board president. Uh, uh, very suddenly, Pat uh, Vaughn was her name, and she was a, a firecracker and a pistol. And uh, I'd like to think the three of those people are hanging around in here. Uh, we have uh, in our symbol a feather, if, you, if you've noticed that. Uh, and that feather uh, was part of the original show as well at, at, at the church. And I'm going to tell you briefly that story, if I can. Sure, yeah. Because it ties into these ghosts. Yeah. Um, another gentleman in the cast and myself, a guy named Larry Gadici, we were building our set one afternoon. And I lamented to him that my brother had passed away and he never got to see me on stage. And my brother was an engineer as well. Sort of led me through some doors into my work. Yeah. So I always felt like I wish he could have gotten to see me because I found something that was mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Larry said, you know, my mom never got to see me act either. So I said to Larry, well, they get to come to all the shows now. They got tickets to everything now. They can come whenever they want. Yeah. Dress rehearsal, we're all sitting around on the front of the stage in, in the first row and talking about, you know, I'll get here at 6, you get this, I'll bring that. And down from the ceiling floats a white feather and lands in the middle of our circle. And me and Larry look at each other with our jaws agape. And then we told everyone else the story. Uh, So from then on, Larry made our posters. uh, And uh, on the next poster appeared the feather. And it's been there ever since. So we kind of feel like we're being looked out for. So that, that feeds into my ghost's. That's a nice thought. That hang around here, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that feather, people, add people and this and that have tried to get that feather to be taken out of there, but that's that's not going anywhere. No, the feather stays. (laughs) Amen. The feather stays. Amen. And I I love the idea of, since we don't know what happens once we shed this mortal coil and shift off the veil of whatever it is, I really like the idea of having a theater to go to Amen. after you've done your time. Amen. Amen. That's how we feel about it. And that they're bolstering us and helping us keep marching on. Uh, yeah. Because we need every little bit of help we can get. <laughs> <laughs> You're a community theater in America. Of course you do. Uh, Tim Gleason, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking Thank with you, you today. And, um, Appreciate it. I can't wait to see Pillow Man, and I can't wait to see your next season. And uh, rock on. Carry the torch and and, and keep Binghamton awash in beautiful theater. Amen. Thank you, sir.